Hi, family. My name is Tammy, and I am an alcoholic. Hi, Tammy. Um, so I can get the nervousness out of the way. This is not my first time telling my story. However, the difference between when I told it seven years ago and me telling it tonight is like night and day. Um, I haven't decided if this is going to be the X-rated version, the R-rated version, or if I'm going to keep it PG-13. Um, I'm going to allow God to do what God does best, and that's um, what Tammy doesn't do best, and that's let God lead me, and I'm still working on that. Um, I was kind of asked to do this. Um, you know, it's real funny. I kept thinking, nobody ever asked me to tell my story. Nobody ever asked me to tell my story. And I'll be damned. Two weeks ago, somebody said, um, what are you doing on the third? You want to tell your story? And I have a sponsor that will not. She, she strongly suggests that we don't turn down service work. And, uh, and really, my ego was really stoked. I realized there was no speaker because it was the third or fourth of July, and they needed somebody to fill the spot. So that got me in my place. That right-sized me real, real quick. Um, I, I want to start off by qualifying myself. I'm going to tell you, drugs are a huge, huge part of my story. But I have been taught to respect the house I'm in. And this is the house of AA. So I am going to um, try to keep it more or less even, which um, is a new thing for me because I really didn't give a damn whose house I was in. What I wanted to say came out of my mouth. And uh, that is one of the things that I've learned in recovery this time. Not all things are appropriate everywhere. And uh, that, for those of you that know me, that's, that's been a challenging lesson, to say the least. Um, but I, I, do qual I, I just have accepted in the last six months, I'm going on two years of uh, being sober, but it's just been in the last six months, I think, that I'm coming to accept the fact that I am an alcoholic. Um, I don't know. I like to think that I'm a drug addict, and then that way I'm even worse than the alcoholics, you know. Um, it's sick thinking, and, and I struggle with that. Um, I, I want to stay unique, and if being unique means being worse than you all, then that's okay with me. And uh, I keep coming around here, and people say nice things about me, and... People love me, and uh, I can't keep being the victim. Um, so anyway, I was born in 1962, so you don't have to figure it out in your head. I'll be 48 on August 10th. Um, yeah, my family dynamics, my mom is not an alcoholic. She drinks every day. She has a drink, and she's okay with that. She is an adult child of an alcoholic. Um, my grandmother was an alcoholic for many years until one day she just quit. She just stopped. Um, but my mom did grow up in a very dysfunctional home, as did my grandmother, who grew up in even a more dysfunctional home. And I just say that to let you know that, you know, I grew up in a, I don't think anybody grows up in a functional home. There's very few of y'all out there. Um, I know that I wanted to make my family life worse than your family life. Um, but that's not the case. I grew up in a home, and it was what it was. There was always a roof over my head. There was always food in my stomach. I'd like to say there was always hugs and kisses, and I love you, and encouragement. And for me, I'm the oldest of four. That was not to be. Um, in the past couple of years, my mom and me have come to love each other very deeply. 
she's apologized I don't know how many times for um, ignoring me and uh, being incapable of loving me. And for that, I am truly grateful. I said I wasn't going to cry this time. I haven't even started. Um, I'm going to fast forward uh, about the age of, I I, I just got my driver's license. I remember that. And it was this Toyota and it was a stick shift. And my mom and dad, I don't know why, but there was beers in the cooler. I guess we were having a barbecue. It might have been the 4th of July for all I know. But I took one of those beers and I was going over to my boyfriend's house. And I was driving by myself. And I thought how cool I was that I got to drink this beer while I was driving and smoke a cigarette, too. I was so grown. And, and I remember just having that feeling like I had finally arrived. I had finally achieved this thing that they called adulthood, and, and I still haven't achieved it, but at the time I thought I did. Um, I didn't drink again for several years, but I do remember, I believe it was my junior year of high school, um, I filled up, I don't know what bug crawled up my rear end, but something did. I got up, and I don't know if you all remember, Pepsi and Coke used to come in glass bottles, long skinny things. So I had this bright idea, I'd fill it up with rum. The whole thing and I didn't drink and uh, <laughs> I got on the bus and and I tell you what I don't know if you call it a sense of ease and comfort because I was just totally plastered but it was the sense of I just don't give a shit and it was one of the best feelings I had ever had not to care not to feel like I had to um, equal to anybody's standards it was okay that I was fat and I was ugly and, and I didn't care what you thought. And uh, that was freedom for me. That was freedom. Um, in my household, you um, had to be, you know, we were the Brady Bunch on the outside, um, but inside it wasn't the same. It, it, uh, my mom was very ashamed of my weight. Um, and I think she was ashamed of the fact that I was the product of her first marriage, which was extremely abusive, but she did the best she could. Um, but I always looked for you all to fix me. I needed somebody on the outside to validate the inside. I knew that I was supposed to be worth something. But I never felt like I was worth something. That, you know, I used to think that made me terminally unique. And I have found that a good percentage of us felt like that. And um, I've come to find out I'm not special. Um, And I always thought I should be. You know, I really did. I'm one of those women. I swore I was going to meet some millionaire that was going to sweep me and just fall so madly in love with me that he couldn't live without me. Or my name was going to be in lights or... You know, something. I had a destiny. And uh, and here it is. <laughs> Ackworth, Georgia, 8 o'clock on a Saturday night at Howe Place. I have arrived. I have arrived. Um, um, so I, I hope that as I tell my story, you will understand that I did. I started with alcohol, but I... I I went for, I found another drug that just 
took away everything, and it caused me to chase alcohol with a um, fervor that, um, in order to avoid my crash from, from my drug of choice at the time, um, I would have done anything to get some alcohol. I have done anything to get some alcohol. I'm not one that has a lot of modesty, um, so I'm just going to tell you what it was like while I used, and I'm going to keep that to a minimum. I'm going to tell you what happened, and then I'm going to cry and, and boohoo and snot and tell you all what it's like now, um, <laughs> because that tends to be the way I do things. Um, because I had never felt like I fit in, um, and I felt like I was unlovable, I, I would go out with any guy that would have me, and then that was my hostage. And uh, when I tried my drug of choice, I had arrived. I, I, I had never felt nirvana, utopia, such as the way I did when I did that. And you mix that with a little alcohol, and there was nothing better in the world. And when I first started, and I'll just say it, get it out of the way, crack cocaine. Um, when I first started, um, that mixed with the alcohol, I didn't really care what you thought. And um, the thing is, is it turned on, I was one of those people, it turned on very, very quickly. I craved that feeling of ease and comfort to such a degree that there was no sh shame in what I did to get it, um, which is, I think, what a couple of people were referring to. I, I say this out loud because so many women, and I, I, I got to keep it to what I know, so many women have done, we're taught that good girls don't, and you know, da-da-da. So I just lay it out there on the table for y'all. I sold my body to get more drugs and more alcohol. Y'all don't like it, deal with it. It's part of my past. It's part of my story. The reason I say that is because some women need to hear that because they went to bars and um, would go home with whoever got them drunkest. And y'all allowed me to come in these rooms with that kind of baggage. And you allowed me to, one day at a time, to heal and I stand up here today with dignity and integrity and grace that I never thought was possible. Um, I can look at myself in the mirror today and I actually, most of the time, like what I see. You know, I could be a little skinnier, look a little more like, you know, Sandra Bullock or somebody, but I don't. And, and I'm okay with that. The life on the streets was rough. I've done it all. I'm a low-bottom drunk or whatever. I don't know what a low-bottom drunk is. Let's just say I went pretty low. Um, um, I'm going to fast forward. During all this time, um, I, uh, I, uh, at a very young age, I hooked up with this man. We had a baby, and he was killed three months after the child was born. My mom went crazy shortly thereafter, and I was 18 years old with a kid, and didn't know what to do, and thrown. Now, this is a girl that had been protected. I was very protected. I grew up in a nice little, you know, I was kept from the world. <laughs> and uh, very strict, strict parents. And, um, and I was thrown into the middle of the projects because I had no place else to go. Scared to death. But you all know me. Some of you all know me. I'm too tough to let you all know I'm scared, you know. <laughs> Because oh, I'll challenge you today. I'll go ahead, hit me, hit me, hit me. And inside I'm saying, God, please don't let them hit me. <laughs> you know, and, and, and to this day I have to still work on that. 
So I, that happened, and um, I hooked up with the next man that came along. All in all, all told, I, I birthed ten children. I have eight living. I did drugs through them all and um, drank through them all by the grace of God. None of them have fetal alcohol syndrome, although one of them does have cerebral palsy, which I, I believe to be a direct result of, of my drinking and drugging. Um, took me a long time to where I could accept that fact, too. Uh, what happened is um, it sucked. That's, that's it in a nutshell. It sucked. Um, my whole life was, was planned around getting some more, some more of anything. Let me tell you, I still suffer from some more. I, I've been nervous about today for about four or five hours now, and I thought, well, God, let me go buy McDonald's. Fish sounds good. A Big Mac sounds good. Well, Dairy Queen sounds good. Or pizza from Little Caesars. See, anything to make me feel better. And that's the same way it was with my drugs and alcohol. So it, it got really, really bad. Um, and I'm one of those people I can tolerate a high level of emotional pain. It, it took a long time for me to say enough is enough. Now, I was in this room, in these rooms once before, and I had um, about almost three years. And um, on February 13th, um, seven years ago, I went back out, and I went out for about four years. Although I didn't do the same things I did the first time around physically, emotionally, the things that I did to the people I loved were indescribable. Um, I, I took this man that, uh, for all y'all that don't know, I'm going to embarrass him. That's my dad right there in the, in the red shirt. Um, he adopted me at 37 and a half, took me in, um, has loved me unconditionally, and I took him for well over $10,000. He's one of the best enablers I've ever had. Um, until he finally had said enough was enough. He was able to love me enough to tell me it, it had to stop or I needed to, to go. And he was the one person that had never, he was the one person that I, I, I did my best to make him not love me because that's what I was used to. So that's what it was like. I'm going to tell you what it's like now because I think for me, we all qualify or we wouldn't be sitting here. You know, I could tell you lots of drunk logs. I could tell you lots of scoring stories. I could tell you how bad that pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization. I used to do that so that y'all would look at me like I wasn't as good as y'all. And to me, that, that's really not what walking in these rooms is about. I've, I, I finally came back a couple of years ago after um, abandoning my children once again um, with my dad, I went on the road with my husband and uh, finally came clean with my dad because I knew he was about to get a credit card bill that had got thousands of dollars of cash, cash withdrawals on it. And uh, I had told him I was in rehab. Um, and uh, I purposely backed myself into a corner because I just didn't know how to get out. I knew that this was the answer, but I couldn't come back. And if I, I say that for anybody that, God, I don't want to see anybody go out, but if you do, know that this is the one place you can always come back to. And it took a long time this time for me to really want to not drink and drug. Um, 
So I got in these rooms. The difference this time than last time is I would take some of the suggestions. I would take some of um, some of what y'all did to um, get better. And I opened the book tonight, and I on in the family afterwards. I looked at this thing I have highlighted. It says cessation of drinking is but the first step away from a highly strained, abnormal condition. I don't know about y'all, but I'm pretty abnormal. And I get that. And, you know, today I kind of wear that with some, with some pride. Um, I don't want to be like everybody else, but I want to be just like you. You know, this, this, what I have found in these rooms is we are nothing but a group of people that contradict everything we say. Um, um, everything we say is a contradiction. You know, that, that, that medium for me, that, that, that balance is that thing I swing by as I go from one extreme to the other. And I still do that. The thing, the difference today is, is I have um, people in my network and people that I've learned to trust. Um, yeah, I, I've learned to trust some people, and that was, that was really hard. I came in, I got a sponsor, then I sponsored myself for a little while, <laughs> which wasn't a good idea. Um, I was walking, you know, well, when you're sponsoring yourself, you're usually being sponsored by a butthole, and I definitely qualified. Um, one of the hardest things for me to do is for me to ask for help. Um, now, I'll get you to help me move or, or something like that, but when it comes to this emotional healing, I don't want... I still am afraid that y'all are going to see how sick I am because I still stay locked up here quite a bit. Um, and, and the guilt, shame, and remorse is something that will, I don't know about y'all. I can only speak for me, and I'll keep it on my side of the street. I know that I have the capability of not drinking and drugging and taking my own life if I let it get that bad. And I think that there's a big majority in the rooms that I have found that are the same way I am. And it's because I feel so insane sometimes. But I come in here and y'all accept me the way I am. You made some suggestions. Um, I, go to, I go to a lot of meetings. I mm, probably average a meeting a day. And um, this is in my, I guess I'm coming up on my second year. I do it because I'm afraid not to do it, but more than that, it's the one place I can come. This is my where I get to hang out with quote-unquote adults, and I'll let y'all decide if you're an adult or not. Um, I have my own opinions, but um, I pretend to come over here and hang out with adults. But really why I come over here is because I want to hear how y'all are living sober, because I don't have a clue. I like mood and mind-altering substances. I like anything that allows me to get out of being me. And um, it, something they say around here, will love you until you can love yourself. And I thought, and then what happens? You know, you're going to stop loving me. What I have found is today I do love myself, um, but y'all keep right on loving me. I do have a sponsor. I'd like to say that I read the big book a lot, but I'd be lying. Um, so what I do is I go to big book studies. Um, I like to hear other people's opinion. To say I'm a controversial person would be putting it politely. Um, but I have learned that my opinions are strictly that. They're my opinion. Um, I go by what the big book says. 
I've gotten to where I don't know what's happening. It's almost kind of scary. Um, I believe what the big book tells me for the most part. I believe in your experience, strength and hope. I believe in your faith. I believe, yeah, you know, we, we talk so much about God in these rooms. And I tell you what, I came in here, I was burnt out on God. I didn't want to hear about it, didn't like him, didn't give a shit what you thought about him. You know, I figured the day um, he put me in this world, I used to make a joke about it, but really deep down inside, I believe God was just messed up on the day I was conceived. He just wasn't thinking. And um, I stuck around long enough this time. I was listening to a CD tape, um, an AA CD tape, and this woman had found this book, and there was this line in this book that got me started back into possibly having hope. And it said, fret not thyself, for had you not found me, you would not seek me. And um, for some reason, that is so powerful for me because I had been looking for something, anything, to uh, tell me that I had the right to be here, to tell me that um, I had value. You know, I don't know how many people have walked around feeling like they had no value. But it's a very, very lonely, dark place to be. And I was there for years. And I came in here and slowly but surely, I've learned to be a mother. For the most part, I think I'm a pretty good mother. I still have, um, I still um, kind of raise my voice quite a bit because I feel like I'm not heard. Um, not that I do that in here or anything. Um, <laughs> Um, and I'm pretty opinionated, but I have a very good relationship with my children today. I'm learning that um, I can disagree with my, my dad. It used to be if I disagreed with him, boy, I'd tell him exactly what I thought about him and where he, and kick him out of his own damn house. Dog, you need to get your shit and go. You know, and, and today it's, it's, I'm a little smarter than that. Um, um, what you all teach me is how to act appropriately, how to, instead of react, how to sit and think and to do things that make me a, 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 an acceptable member of society. I wanted to do things my way and I didn't care who I stepped on. Um, I just wanted you all to hear me. I wanted to be heard and I came in here and, and I was heard. And for the first time in my life, I was able to sit back and start hearing other people. One of my favorite things that I've learned in this room is um, uh, the St. Francis prayer. It, the, from the first time I heard it, it, it deeply touched me. I would like to be what it says. And, and those are one of those. The book talks about, you know, there's no sense in us crying over attributes we'll never have. I ain't going to be. I ain't never going to do it. <laughs> it's as my um, ex-daughter-in-law says it's a Reynolds in other words it's a wrap it ain't happening but I try today I do seek to understand most unless you're really close to me then I don't give a shit but you know, for the general population I seek to understand rather than to be understood and I do seek to comfort rather than to be comforted um, and to give love rather than to be loved. And it, it, it's still much easier for me to do it with strangers. Because um, I don't have to worry about strangers walking out of my life um, than it is for me to do it with those that I love the most. Um, but y'all, tell me, keep coming back. 
keep doing this thing one day at a time. Just do the next thing that's put in front of you, and lo and behold, things happen. I, I want to um, I want to throw this in there. During my um, when I was wide open, I had walked away from several kids, and a lot of you all know that from five children. Plus, I had two pass away, um, one in my arms, and one was stillborn. And um, I walked away from them because I was incapable. I, I, I was not willing to quit. I couldn't, didn't want to. I hoped to die by, by drinking and drugging. That was the way I figured I'd go out, and I had accepted that. Well, I got in these rooms, and the only reason I bring it up is because a couple of us women kind of were talking about some things outside before the meeting. And, you know, um, I remember when I got in here, I prayed that God would bring my children back in my life. Um, these are children I had abandoned, not some as infants, some as I just turned around and walked away. One was almost six, one was three, one was one, um, one was newborn. And um, be careful what you pray for, folks. Don't think that God can't restore what seems to be unrestorable. Don't think that he cannot. What, what seems like such a mountain to, to, to me is it's but a grain of sand to him. He goes, and it's taken care of. And I say that to say, <laughs> I got all, I went from being a mother of three to a mother of eight overnight, literally within a month. And it, it boy, it overwhelmed me. Um, he didn't, he didn't filter them in. He just gave them back here. They're yours. <laughs> so I got a worm. Um, one of the things that I'm working on now is, you know, I will only sponsor one person because I'm not good for long term. It still scares me. I still want to run. Um, Y'all are teaching me how to do that. I'm much better in a crisis situation. You know, you need me real quick. Fine. I'll love on you. I'll take care of you and then get the hell on. Because I, I don't like being inconvenienced. I'm still very, very selfish in my sobriety, in my life. But these are things that I strive to be. And I watch other people, and I know it's doable. Because I've seen people that I hear them share the same thing, what they were like, what happened, and what they've become. And I think if they can do it, I can do it. Um, today I have a little confidence in myself. I'm getting ready to, um, thanks to this program, um, I'm getting ready to go back to school, not because anybody asked me to, just because I want to, um, because I'm worthy today. This is a woman that lived on the streets, pregnant, just to get some more alcohol and some more drugs. And I'm going back to school because I want to. I have friends that I had people over my house for Thanksgiving last year. People, real people. You know, not my, not my imaginary friends or the cops outside waiting to bust me. Real, honest-to-God people. And we had a good time. And, you know, today it's not so much what you all see on the outside. I don't care if you like what you see on the outside. I want you all to like what you see on the inside. And I have a home. It's falling apart. But it's a home. It's my home. I go there and I feel safe today. And I can have people that I love and care about over. And, um, you know, I'm rambling because I'm running out of crap to say now. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, and I'm going to wind it down, and it's over early. And that's, can you all believe that I ran out of things to say? Jeez. 
Y'all mark this one on the calendar because it probably won't happen again. A um, couple of things in the big book that really helped me, and I'm saying them because I hope they'll help somebody else. I had to develop a faith in this room, and I had no clue how to go about it, and I ran across a line in the big book, and it said, for faith to be vital, and vital means life-sustaining, for faith to be vital, it must, not might need to be, or we suggest, says it must be followed by um, unselfish, self-sacrificing action. And I read that, and I knew that meant that I was going to have to be responsible for anywhere that I was to go into this program. Um, a lot of my friends, one of their favorite things is, is in the big book on page 152 where it talks about the most satisfactory years of our life lie ahead. Sometimes I get so full of myself and so amazed at where I was and where I am today. I think if God brought me any farther, I don't think I could handle it. You know, um, we talk a lot about if we had prayed for what we wanted, we would have shortchanged ourselves. I always thought it was about material stuff, and really it isn't. It's about being comfortable all 197 pounds of me, freckles, red hair, who I, that's right, fat, fine, and 47, you don't know. Um, but it's okay today. I'm okay with me. And that never happened. And when I can become okay with me, it gives me the gift of being okay with you. And um, that's been one of the many great gifts I've gotten in this program. So I would just suggest if you're struggling, just keep coming back no matter what happens. Keep coming back. Um, don't listen for how different you are from everybody else. Listen to how much the same we are. Um, thank God that some of y'all are like me. That some of y'all have felt what I have felt. Um, because it saved my life. And I believe my life, today I believe my life was worth saving. Because I have children that love me and count on me. And uh, I have, I'm a part of God's world today. And I thank you all for giving me that. Thank you.